It's been a wild week in Chicago land as we've not only had the Sunday night game that, well, it, it certainly was a football game, but we've also had the trade deadline that saw Chicago acquire Montez Sweat, a, an HR dismissal, an Andrew Billing extension, and much, much more to talk about. Nick and I are going to break down a little bit of everything on a quick midweek pod on this episode of Bear With Us. What's going on, everybody, and welcome back to Bear With Us, a Chicago Bears podcast hosted by yours truly, Robert Schmitz, editor-in-chief of DVB, right here on, well, I guess there's no podcast channel. That's just an old habit at this point. Here with my co-host, Nick Whalen of Football Guys. Nick, how you doing this week? Pretty boring week, you know, just middle of the year, (laughs) nothing happening with the Bears, you know. Do we have anything to even talk about? Man, I feel like we're just having to scrape the bottom of the barrel. No, I mean, I know you and I were talking about this in the preview show where, uh, or pre-show, where normally we make this a preview pod, but as the Bears have spiraled downward, this has become much more of a weekly review pod, and I feel like that's what we need right now, not only because... Uh, me being sick delayed us recording a day, but also because I don't know if you feel this way, but like the Bears game against the Saints, like, do you feel like there's much to preview? <laughs> I, I there, there's literally like fear in my soul right now for that game. So and hey, Montez Sweat and the new or like a Montez Sweat and a Jalen Johnson fueled defense could give Derek Carr some trouble. But it's mm-hmm. that Bears offense versus rookie UDFA quarterback matchup. You could even keep it to rookie quarterback if you're out there incredibly high on Tyson Bajan. And I yeah. still think, just like we have always talked about, I will never say a, a word as if Tyson Bajan hasn't been a massive overperformer given the expectations that I had for a player of his caliber. But that Saints defense, man, I mean, that's the toughest defense that they've got left on the schedule. Probably by a leave and a bound. Well, you know, Cleveland's better. Cleveland's a better defense than New Orleans. That's true. That's true. But like, well, like here, this is just, and people know I do these stats. This is just going to give you an idea of the difference of the Saints defense versus the Bears defense, which has been better. We've talked about that. The Saints allow 32.4% of third downs to get converted, which is second in the NFL. Chicago is 48.5, which is 31st in the NFL. Literally, you yes. could be almost more polar opposite. So it's ridiculous. But I've got a bunch of stats on Montez Sweat, so I, I'd like to talk about him. Let's get into Montez Sweat. How'd you feel about the trade? Obviously, we know the Bears send their second-round pick to Washington in exchange for Montez Sweat. They did this before a Chase Young deal, who eventually got dealt for a compensatory third-round pick. And I mean, I have never seen Twitter so split, which actually... I don't know if you felt this way. I was surprised it was split. I'm very accustomed to seeing Twitter lean really hard in one direction or another, but you had all kinds of NFL writers with guys like Seth Walder saying, quote, the Bears didn't learn their lesson. And then you had NFL.com's writer saying, I don't know what all the hullabaloo is about. This is a good trade to me. Like that is a very split decision. I know where I stand. Where do you stand? Yeah, I mean, I think also Matt Miller, he said, he's like, I don't know what people are mad about. That's a really good player Chicago got. You know, and I I um, listened to um, Brian Mitchell. If you remember him, he used mm-hmm. to be the big, I mean, I mean, when you get in these returner debates of all time, <laughs> Brian Mitchell gets brought up, but he doesn't have the touchdowns or efficiency of Hester. But um, he is a, 
like a, a sports talk guy in Washington right now. And he talked about the difference between the two guys. And he said that um, basically Chase Young already thinks he's a superstar. And we all know he has not played to that level. And we've seen the rumblings from the athletic that it's like addition by subtraction, they think, because he kind of freelances and there's some other things. But they're like Montez Sweat, he's like, he's a, he doesn't talk. He's like a hard worker. And actually, I got some more intel on like one of his down years. But like overall, he's like, yeah, that's a solid dude you guys are getting. And when I looked at the salary cap stuff, Robert, everyone kept saying that Washington was going to get rid of one of the guys. And I looked at him like, they have a lot of cap space. And so you almost wonder if this is more of the new ownership, just shifting gears, wanting to get money on the offense. Well, I mean, I'll tell you what, by the time the Bears made their offer, like that is as close to an offer you can't refuse as I think you're going to get. I mean, don't get me wrong. Of course, they would have taken a one for him, but it's really rare that a player gets traded as a rental for full draft value. This is as close as Washington was probably going to get. So (laughs) Chicago forced their hand to at least some degree, but I don't know, man. I mean, like, I I want you to say something even further. Like you got all these stats just because. Oh yeah, no, I got you. Well, I could expostulate. You know I can. I know. I'm going to, but I don't want to run over what you've got. Yeah, so, so, well, I, I did this because, I mean, I, me and you, I think we follow this a lot more closely than the average person does. At least um, we try. I, yeah, yeah. But I mean, just in, like over the years, like, I mean, mm-hmm. I've covered the NFL draft since, I mean, I watched taped NFL drafts when I was a little kid, like 1993, right. 1989, like whatever. But I learned some stuff here. So I thought I wanted to share it with you guys. So Montez Sweat started at Michigan State. He's from Georgia, started at Michigan State, uh, didn't go so well there, went to Juco and then ended at Mississippi State. Um, he's 6'6", 260. He's 27. His birthday's in September. And people, I heard some pushback of like, well, by the time the Bears get relevant, he's going to be old and this is a bad move. And I'm like, okay, well, I, and I checked this. He's younger than TJ Watt, Miles Garrett, Hassan Reddick, Daniil Hunter, Joey Bosa, Bradley Chubb, Trey Hendrickson. Like, he's not old by edge standards or DN standards. But in terms of his athletic profile, and we've gotten used to what Ryan Poles loves in terms of his athletes, um, this is exactly what I think both of them want, what Flus wants and what Poles wants. So his RAS score, relative athletic score, is 9.9 out of 10. He In, in 2019, when he was in the combine, he set a then combine record for a 40-yard dash for an edge of 4.41 and I checked now that's the 98th percentile so I don't know if like someone else broke that so it's not 99 now but still that's 441 I think that's like right up there with DJ Moore so um three cone I'm just going to give like percentiles now versus like his position group for people 84th percentile for three cone 78th percentile for short shuttle broad jump 90th percentile vertical jump 79th percentile arm length like we both know this, this guy's got like crazy arms, 97th percentile for arm length, 97th percentile for wingspan, 91st percentile for his hand size. So just a long, massive athletic freak. He missed six games in 2021. He fractured his jaw and uh, I'll go over his PFF, like um, overall rankings by position group. That was his down year. He also lost his mom and his brother. Unfortunately, they died that year. That um, sucks. It, yeah, his his brother got shot. Is what I oh uh, my gosh, oh yeah, my 20, gosh, at twenty seven. Yeah, so that's bad. And like, um, and that's what Brian Mitchell had said. Like that, like 
that affected his game that year. Sure. Um, Like anybody, it would be weird if it didn't. Right. Exactly. And like here, so if we look at his, his, his PFF and this is ranking by edge or defensive end overall. So not just like, you know, pass rushing or whatever it's overall his rookie year. He was 84th. And then, um, 2021, he was 11th, 2021 or sorry, 2020 was 11th, 2021. He was 22nd. So that was that year. He dropped out of 22nd, uh, last year he was eighth and this year actually he's down a little bit. He's 28th. Mm-hmm. So this is like the worst year he's had in four years. And this is like a bad year. Like 28th right. is still pretty good. And we we've seen the numbers sacks right. and stuff. The other thing that I think is most interesting that it's more the scheme it doesn't get us excited i think but i think in the whole scheme of it i like it um and i got this from brad spielberger again a friend if people aren't following him for at pff he's a really good guy he's also a bears fan he said that uh montez sweat which goes by tez sometimes i guess i i, I prefer montez but whatever uh montez sweat he is the top run defending edge that doesn't get you and- excited that doesn't no. get you excited? No, it does me. I mean, it, uh, some people won't, but but that he's gets top, me amped. <laughs> yeah, but since since 2020, Robert. So you put 2020, yeah. 2021, 2022, and this year. That's almost like that's three and a half years of being the best run defending edge. You put him with Walker, who's basically that elephant end, and Billings. You got a you got a run stuff in you. You got a now. damn good run defense. And yeah. I mean, like we try to keep, I don't know, I'm sentence enhancers. Am I right or am I right? So it's so funny. You talk about uh, Poles and Eberflus. This is totally a Poles and Eberflus guy. But to be honest mm-hmm. with you, I'm going to say something ruthless and heartless. Okay. I have to base any player acquisition and extension a conversation on how much, unfortunately, I like the player because I am mentally moving on. Maybe not from both guys. But I'm already assuming that there's going to be a, ch- a change in head coaching unless something massive happens, like unless Matt Eberflus really wows, right? And the best news about a guy like Montez Sweat, do you know he's played 3-4? He's played 3-4 stand-up outside linebacker. Both he's, teams. Yep. He's played 4-3 down defensive end. And as much as, yes, there are all kinds of different other schemes you can run, most of those are in the back seven. The front four is the front four in most cases, especially the edge. And I think it's so wild when you find a guy that has outstanding athletic traits and truly the the word outstanding, exceptional. I'm going to read you some names, okay? Montez Sweat compared to Broderick Jones. Who do you think has the longer arms? Oh, Broderick Jones has got some long arms. He does. Uh... He's got 34 and a half inch arms. I'll, I'll go Sweat because he's 6'6". I think he's a little taller. Sweat has actually a full inch on Broderick Jones. Now, wow. Wanya Morris has some pretty long arms. So who has you know, the longer arms between Wanya and uh, and Montez Sweat? Uh, I'll go Wanya there. It's Montez Sweat who's got a full half inch on Wanya Morris. Now, I'll tell you who has some long arms. It's Braxton Jones. He's got to beat Sweat, right? Yeah. No, he doesn't. Well, Sweat. I think we talked about this last pod, right? We talked about how long his arms are. So, uh, Bra- so Braxton has 34 or 35 and 3 eighths inch arms. That's how long Montez's 35 and 3 quarter inch arms are. Like wow. the only tackle, and I mean, I, I didn't Google that hard, but the only tackle that I could quickly think of that has longer arms is Paris Johnson. So yeah, when you talk about why Montez... Because the thing I love about athletic uh, athletic traits, look, long arms doesn't get you nothing, 
right? That doesn't actually mean anything. It's what you, okay, I'm not about to make the size joke, but you know where, where I could take that if you wanted to. It's, it's yeah, how yeah, you yeah, use yeah. it, right? Yeah, yeah. But why, why has Montez Sweat been such a good run defender? Because he's able to put power in these outstandingly long arms and simply outreach any tackle aggressing him to run block does this get him around the edge or create constant pass block or pass rushing pressure it depends man not always right i mean mm -hmm. he's not he's not the one thing that i think is so complicated about edge rusher is that people will compare any edge rusher taken outside the top 16 to the top 10 edge rushers in football and they're all top five picks like right. you go down the list and it's like TJ Watt, Miles Garrett, Nick Bosa, Joey Bosa at one point, Khalil Mack. That's just five guys. And they were all lock five top five picks. Yeah, TJ like, Watt was later, but the other ones are top five. Oh, thank you. Um, the point really that I'm trying to make is that like the Harold Landry's of the world are way rarer than we make them. Montez yeah. Sweat being a successful edge defender as a back half of the first round guy is mm -hmm. is hilarious. It's not that it's uncommon. It's that him being at an edge one level, but not at that superstar, I'm going to take over football level is normal and yeah. an incredibly hard player to get. And well, in, in, in that same regard, that reminds me of the chatter I heard of people like, well, this is just dumb because you could just have signed him in free agency. Me and you and Ryan no. Poles talked about this. He wouldn't have been available. Not or the second round pick. Well, you could just gotten a rookie then. What rookie? Which rookie? In the early second round would we get that compares to a guy like this? And don't get me wrong. In every once in a while, a third rounder is going to be Daniil Hunter, but not as a rookie, they sure won't be, and not as a sophomore either. You get the Max Crosby or the Trey Hendrickson now and again, but it, there's a huge difference, and I think you see it this way too, Nick, between getting lucky that your third round quarterback is Russell Wilson and yes. planning on it. Because yes. when you plan on it and you're wrong because it's normal for a fifth round left tackle to suck, then 2022's Braxton Jones is yep. even worse. The right. fact that it worked is like catching lightning in a bottle and it still wasn't amazing because there right. were still a lot of growing pains, right? right? And, and and if we would have not traded for Montez Sweat, they would have taken the Falcons deal. You would be you'd be in Atlanta, back home in Georgia. And for all the people again that are talking about uh wanting Chase Young, you still might get your wish because I'm not sure that San Francisco can sign him. So if that okay. if he does ball out and you still want him, he's one of the ones I think that could because I think he's gonna want so much money and they don't have the cap to sign him. Okay, strap in because I'm about to go off. This yeah. Chase Young thing is out oh. of hand. It yep. is out of hand. I cannot believe that a wonderful, loyal, hardcore Bears fan base. You want to take Seth Walder's quote about not having learned their lesson? That a fan base like the Bears saw Ryan Poles trade a second round pick for Chase Claypool, who I'm talking the moment he entered, the moment he was traded to the roster, the Bears did not win until the week he was inactive. Like, I'm not drawing a hard conclusion, but it is hilarious how disastrous that, like, we lived the worst case scenario with Chase Claypool. He came to Chicago. He did not produce. He did get hurt. And then he was a locker room problem, all for the price of pick number 32. And yep. then we want to send a top two or a, even a third round pick, even a third round pick. We want to pigeonhole 
a lot of cap money and all kinds of hope on a player that this same Washington regime drafted at number two, but they don't want to extend. Like they traded him away after Montez Sweat had already been traded. It would have been so easy, Nick, and it would have been so normal. Look at the Giants with Daniel Jones. For crying out loud, when an yep. organization drafts a top 10 player and that top 10 player shows anything, they extend him because yep. that's their way of saying, no, we've been we've been right this whole time. This guy was well worth the investment. Why would we turn our backs on Chase Young, who's in the middle of what does he have? A five and a half, six sack season. According to PFF, he's one of the best pass rushers in football. Why would you trade him now? Washington yep. thinks they need to sell high. That should tell you everything you need to know about who he is off of the football field and in these locker rooms. And Montez Sweat is a, he is concrete. He is foundation. He is what he is. And he helps you build your defense up because you know what you're getting. You're going to have to overspend a little bit because you pulled him away from going back to his hometown. Be honest, Nick, probably. Like you're going to have to, yeah, yeah. you're going to have to oh, throw yeah. an extra couple million dollars in there to smooth out what is a rocky start to him as a Chicago bear, but that's business. And you're still going to get way better ROI from sweat than you would have gotten in the not unlikely scenario where the bears trade for chase young. He combusts whether because of his knee or off field antics, and you get no value at all out of the guy who was supposed to be your edge one. And oh, by the way, now you have to draft a rookie that you're going to put too much hopes and dreams on. And in so doing, you're going to pass on a sick receiver to pair with what is likely a rookie quarterback. It would have been a disaster. Well, and on top of that, I mean, talking about the, the ego part of this. So, cause Brian Mitchell talked about it. He said that Chase Young already thinks he's a superstar and he's like, yeah, sweat doesn't have that big of an ego in his press conference again, which was, Again, we, we take we we take we take this much information, and, and you can't hear if you're not watching like little little information <laughs> from anything, and people run with it, right? They're like, "Hey, so what do you think about the contract extension?" He's like, "Oh, I'm, I just got it. I'm not really worried about that. My agent's working on it, right?" And then it's polls is an idiot because he hasn't thought about the contract part of it yet, or they haven't talked at all. It's going to be a rental, and you know, yada yada yada. He also said in that press conference. They said, like, now you're going to have to carry and you're the elite guy and whatever. And he's like, well, I don't know about all of that. You know, I'm just, you know, I, I just work hard, whatever. That's the kind of locker room you got. Not the guy with a big ego. Right. That I'm, I'm going to be this, listen to me, pander to me, whatever. A guy that is just, he, I mean, you can lead by example. You can lead with words. He's just low ego. Which of those two guys, Chase Young, Montez Sweat, do you think wants more money? Uh. Honestly, I, if I told you both of them, is that fair? Like, I mean, you could, but one of them I think has earned way more money. Or one of them has earned way more money, no doubt. Both of them are going to ask for all the money in the world because Chase Young's agent, agent too. Chase Young's agent is going to say he's a number two, or he's a former number two overall pick. He's on a hot streak right now. This is who he's going to be. You better lock him up now. And then the other agent is going to say they're, Chicago. They're the same agent. I know oh. you're right. The, then on the other hand, he's going to look at Chicago and be like, what, you traded a top 40 pick to not pay my guy exactly what he wants? Like, that's the thing. When you trade for a player, they have you They have you right where they want to or but where I, they want to. I don't to. know that that's such a – people talk I about I don't that. care. That's the thing. You the can pay money. I'm going to say something ridiculous to make a point. I don't actually believe this, but you get it. If the Bears came out and they signed Montez Sweat to a $28 million AAV, whatever – the cost to replace Montez Sweat 
would cost way more than that in draft plus free agent money. You can't replicate that by trying to keep, or when we overprotect cap space, I'm going to say something heinous. Brad may hate this. When we over pursue cap space, you end up starting Yannick Ngakwe and Demarcus Walker and your 31st in pressure rate. And you're looking around wondering, how did we get here? Because you've got Justin Jones as your three tech and you're lucky you have Demarcus Lawrence light that's playing yeah. nose tackle for you. And that's the only reason you're not 32nd in pressure rate for crying yep. out loud. Yep. Like and Yannick was what? 9 million. And, and how has that ROI happened? Ex- none. How much ROI have you gotten from Tremaine Edmonds? Nearly zero, partially because the defensive line is awful. So if tr- if Montez Sweat is quote unquote a true value $21 million a year player, but you get 75% ROI on a massive contract, that is so much more ROI at the edge position, like yep. so much more actual value than you're putting on the field right now that I don't think it matters to cry and... <laughs> hiss about a four about what will likely be a four to six million dollar overpay just loosen your belt suck it up and extend the guy you traded for so we have the tag open to sign Jalen johnson yeah, yeah, yeah. because i swear if we lose him for nothing i think right. i'm gonna explode so but- so a couple things with it so adding montez sweat and taking off robinson Yannick in, in you know run situations, whatever, helps your defense so much more. So oh, I know you're I know you're on more of a time restriction than me. So I'm gonna jump to something else that happened before we get to Jalen. Andrew Billings got a contract extension today. I mean, Andrew Billings, our guy, we our have guy. just been pumped our about guy. on this podcast. We need to get him right. He's what 28 right now, two-year contract extension, 8.5 million with six million guaranteed. That is you want to talk about ROI? That is amazing. When you think of Javon Hargrave, who went to San Francisco for like twenty million a year, it's uh, literally there's only one downside. Do you know what that downside is? Do you? No. It is so larcenous a deal that it makes me wonder what they're saying to these other players that are not signing. Like it is such a good deal. It no. is a crime. Like Andrew Billings being signed for less money in 2023 than than TJ Edwards, um, an inside linebacker yeah. signed for like in free agency in March is astounding. Like they only got this deal because he's been on three one-year deals before this, and he's down for some stability so that he yeah. does not have to think about moving so he can buy a house for like <laughs> and live in it for two years and he got it one and a half year guaranteed six million dollars i mean like if you're a professional mercenary that's huge money yep. it's well, yeah, just, and, and yeah. Andy, like you said some stability but like also i think this says a little bit about how he feels about flus about the organization about polls too that he wants to be here which i know is like everyone has talked about how i mean i've, I've seen things of like the Bears are the most disastrous organization, yet, you know, there's the Raiders out there. But then you have guys that sign and want to stay here. So that says something to it as well. I am really interested. If we had Andrew Billings in this call, right, which, you know, maybe one day. But mm-hmm. if we had Andrew Billings in this call, I'm curious as to whether he would tell us that he does want to stay or whether he was just really excited to get a multi-year offer so mm-hmm. that he could not worry about about the moving. Because all that moving I would imagine your standards get lower, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's 28. Like, yep. there's a there's a point where if he 
what sprained his AC joint, his career might be over just because by the time he recovers, it's there's no coming back. Another thing I want to talk about, because you bring up his age, <coughs> we have become too obsessed with championship windows. And there is a reason to talk about this, but let's talk about this with Montez Sweat. So many people have talked about how, oh, well, by the time the Bears are going to be any good, he's going to be 29, he's going to be 30. Sure, he may move, he may be beginning to decline as the Bears are beginning to ramp up, but you make it sound like there's not three off-seasons between now and then. Like, if Montez Sweat is your edge too when he's 30, you will be like a lot of football teams in the NFL. That is really normal. Khalil Mack is 32, and, uh, you know, between you and me, Nick, lean in real close, he's not playing bad, despite being 32. He's the the best edge with the Chargers right now. He's better than Joey Bosa right now. (laughs) But, like, like, I I mean, also with D-Lyman, you have to rotate. So, like, I mean, you you put this together, Walker and Billings and the two rookie D-tackles, and now you got Sweat with the two linebackers. That's starting to form a pretty solid, at least rotational group. I mean, that that that's likely your starters, but you still could go get another edge. You could sign another veteran D tackle and rotate. Now you're like, that's actually not a negative unit for us. That's a no. positive unit moving forward. And this gives us so much flexibility. I mentioned this in the big rant earlier, but this gives the Bears so much flexibility at the top of the 2024 draft because if you enter the 2024 season with a D-line of Montez Sweat, a free agent, a second-round defensive tackle, when, when you maybe, maybe trade a certain very valuable player on the Bears that may not be on the Bears next year if you're picking up on what I'm saying. If that's the direction they go, if that's the direction they go, uh, and you pick up maybe a second or third round pick and you use it to keep stacking guys at the interior and Dexter Mm -hmm. gets better, maybe Pickens gets better, and you've got, you just don't add in the first round to defense, whatever. That would have been criminal. Like, this time next year, if we were talking about this, but the Montez sweat trade hadn't happened, I mean, neat, we have a second round pick. That guy's going to fix the edge position. Whereas this brings desperation in free agency or the draft. This, this fixes the need. Like teams just aren't that patient. The idea that the bears would have taken Marvin Harrison jr. Instead of trading down to get a defender at a slightly more reasonable, like price versus pick valuation. You got to think like a team and the team would have said, we don't have an edge. (laughs) We need an edge. Now they do. Yeah. And yep. I do think, Nick, now nearly 25 minutes into the podcast, we got we to gotta take a quick step back because you and I are very upbeat about the state of the organization. But we do need to ask a little bit of WT heck, uh, just a little, because... Jalen or the coach? Which one are you going to go uh, with? Kind of all of it. Like, okay. the Bears go from national embarrassment. That's what it was. I, I really, like, watching it again, Justin it Herbert... Bad. Justin Herbert played so well that the fact that I thought Tyreek Stevenson, to my eye, had a pretty good game against most of his matchups was irrelevant because Justin Herbert was throwing the ball with truly perfect anticipation. And it's the ball is like hitting guys on the timing spots. And the only moment that Tyreek's not on the guy is when the ball is getting there because Herbert is playing phenomenally. This wasn't Brian Hoyer. This wasn't Trey Lance. No pass rush. (laughs) Yeah, that too, right? And so. The Chargers have to pull off just to not beat you up too bad. Mm-hmm. Like as early as the third quarter. And you do this challenge flag, weird fiasco dance. Everybody talks about how Jalen Johnson's getting traded. And 
couple days later, you bought at the deadline? Like, you didn't net neutral. I expected the Bears to basically trade down in the second round and trade Jalen Johnson for Montez Sweat. That's just what I was ready for. Yep, that's right? what I thought, too. Yep. Uh, instead, they didn't. And there's a world where, if you re-sign both guys, this is the best-case scenario. But do we live in that world? Because it's a 2-6 and six team going nowhere, starting a UDFA rookie quarterback for at least one week longer than I think either of us expected. And the next game is a Thursday game. So like, are we sure Fields is coming back for that one? And I I, I sit here, Nick, and I just kind of cock my head and I go, what? And then just as I'm thinking that, uh, we get a second coach dismissed for an HR violation. Am I crazy for looking at this org and being like, okay, okay, guys. What's going on here? Yeah. Yeah. And especially like it was, you know, there's people that have been like asking for some coaches to get let go. And this isn't one of those guys. Like it's just, it's running back. So, so the, and as frustrated as we get every time, and again, maybe he's just got this magical spell on me. Every time I hear Ryan Pohl speak, I just get sucked in more and more. I'm like, this guy is a leader. This guy speaks well. He spoke to everything. He spoke to the coaching thing. He said, listen, we have a standard of what we allow, what we don't allow, what we want you to do, like in terms of how well the coaching, you know, what we don't want you to do in terms of poor coaching. He's like, this person didn't hold all the standards. And it's like, we could we sweep it under the rug, keep them here, and that keep things quiet? Yep. So, Or we could do the hard thing, which is loud, and everyone's going to hear about it, but it's the right thing to do. He's like, I'd rather do the right thing all the time. And, and- to me, I'm like, that's my GM. Like, and, that's who I want. And I am so there with you. And then you take a look around the league, right? And at the same mouth that everybody's using to say, LOL, look at the Raiders. They fired their staff midseason. Take a second look at that situation. Why did they fire Josh McDaniels? Because he lost to the Bears. And the owner was embarrassed about it. Like uh, it, it wasn't, it wasn't the Halloween thing. It, well, so tell me you read that. Wait tell me you read that. I thought that was hilarious. That was so funny. Is it when true? I, I believed true? it until somebody pointed out explicitly that it was a joke. I thought it was so funny. That was really good. That <laughs> but was so, really and, good. and if you haven't seen it, it's hilarious. You should go just search Josh McDaniels Halloween. But the point is that I guess that I'm trying to drive that. You could argue that the Raiders plainly and blatantly prioritizing winning that they haven't given up reports. Cause I looked a little deeper into it. You hear that they're starting Aiden O'Connell, that they're, produ- they're um, promoting like an assistant running backs coach or something to their interim head coach. And it's like, are, are they throwing in the towel? Cause Nick, why are we so, so quick as us fans to be like, they're tanking, they're tanking. Is it because we like tanking? Is it because we want to tank? Because On the other side of it, it's like this is an organization that has been talking about how much they liked Aiden O'Connell and how little they saw a difference between Aiden O'Connell and Jimmy Garoppolo, which is not that hard to believe in camp because, I mean, it's Jimmy. It's Jimmy G. We're not talking about Josh Allen, right? Right. And so now you've got an interim head coach because apparently Josh McDaniels wasn't good enough and a rookie that they believe that they can build with. It is future-oriented, but it is Mark Davis – who's not a wealthy man, like a cash wealthy man, and everybody knows that, saying this is simply not good enough. And I hate to say that sounds like a refreshing approach, but... But, but, I mean, (laughs) okay, a couple things here. One is, 
I think they're starting Aiden O'Connell because if Jimmy G gets hurt and doesn't pass a physical, yes, they can't cut it's him in eleven the and a half million dollars out well, of their pocket. That's why I think they're doing that. I mean, also you could say he's probably Both just and, there, right? which I don't disagree with, but I think that's part of it. They're promoting Antonio Pierce, who had to leave Arizona State because of scandal. I think it was Yikes. recruiting. Yikes. Off. So then he's the one that's your head coach now. That's even more dysfunction. They went to that. And they paid what John Gruden 10 years, 100 million. And oh, yeah. It's three head coaches nine, at this point, right? And they had to pay 90% of his contract, even when he was gone. And then McDaniels got six for almost 60, and they have to pay that now, too. I still can't believe that happened. It just seems – well, and then – and then you trade for Devonta Adams when he was on the franchise tag, a first oh. and second. Like it seems like a lot of dysfunction too. Don't hear me trying to prop the Raiders up too hard. It's more okay. that it's just funny. I thought that at the same time as people are looking at a dysfunctional organization being dysfunctional, what the Bears are doing does not feel to me like a stable organization carrying on well. You know what I'm saying, yeah, Ryan? Yeah. Ryan Poles, man, his words are honey. He can yep. make everything sound normal. And then I get oh, 30 minutes away from the presser, shake my head a little bit and go, no, no, it's still really bad but, over here. But, but as you know, and, and, and I mean, the top down is what matters. When you have the top, it just changed everything. So like I, for right now, believe in Kevin Warren and I do believe in Ryan Poles. And yes. so when that's there, everything else seems different. Like even the Jalen Johnson stuff. So how he talked about this is he said, Yep, we're, we're working on the contract, you know, and we saw Jalen with the the money sign after the interceptions, you know, pay me. And it sounded like we heard talks last week that's getting closer. And then the the requesting the trade happened. And Pulse said, he's like, yeah, it really surprised me. He says, I, we were coming together. I met with this agent and I thought we were closing that gap. And then they requested it. And he's like, okay. So I, he's like, go talk to whomever you want. And we even heard the rumors during the day of the Bears asking price was astronomical. And I'm a little surprised. Pulse said, yep, I was wanting a late first or an early, early second for Jalen Johnson. And so um, I was like, okay, yeah, that, that, I mean, I think that's a fine value if you can get it for him. But they, he didn't, which says I value Jalen Johnson. He said he still wants to sign him. And Jalen Johnson was open to returning. So it sounds promising, but it sounds weird, like wow, that came about. To me, to me, in the same way that you and I, so I feel like football is a complicated relationship with process over results, and then suddenly, later, the results are really what count, right? It, there are these, I don't, I, I don't want to call them arbitrary, because I would argue that when you've been around the game enough, you kind of all know what they look like, but you've, you've seen it. There are moments where... Okay, good process was great when we were one and three in our first three games, but like we're not going to get out of the division. We're, we're not going to make the playoffs if we don't win four out of our next six. So we really can't have that interception. Like, I, I don't care that it was tipped. Like, I get it, but we got to take care of the football. Like, I assume mm -hmm. that's you in the quarterback room or something yeah. like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and to me, I... I don't disagree with Ryan Poles trying to get proper value for everybody asking for a high second round pick or late first for a player that was a former mid second round pick in the last year of his contract is a lot like that is that is a lot that is near that like double standard that uh what what's his name Jimmy Irsay painted where it was like nah Jonathan Taylor sucks we don't want to pay him but also if you want to trade for him it's going to cost you a first. 
what? (laughs) Uh, And so to me, I don't know how you're feeling. You got to get these guys signed. I barely care what they sign them to. Again, the cap's rising 10% every year. The Bears, once they post June 1st, Eddie Jackson, and cut Cody Whitehair outright, they're going to have $130 million in cap space. They got the money. Having your cornerback one, who's 24, and your edge one, could not be more important positions on your defense. Honestly, Mm -hmm. if you gave me the opportunity, and I somehow had to sacrifice Tremaine Edmonds to get these guys signed, I would do it, because I can figure something else out at inside linebacker, and I personally... I've always believed that. So it's it's making this team building that the Bears are doing pretty frustrating because mm-hmm. I like Tyreek Stevenson. He's not ready to be a cornerback one, not even close. And no. if that's what the Bears press him into, I think that's setting a guy up to fail. And so well, the whole defense to fail, the whole defense. And so I look at this and I think to myself, the results are what matter. I like polls process in theory. But if you mm-hmm. nickel and dime these guys. And you push them out the door and you end up losing them and they walk. God forbid they hit uh, unrestricted free agency because the Bears are going to sign too many guys. There's no way they're getting a comp pick back. So Mm -hmm. if you ended up just losing at the deadline so that you could add more guys to your defense in a season where it is very likely the guys running your defense are going to get fired. It's just super backwards. Right. Yeah. No, I, no I, I get it. And I think that being able to trade for Montez Sweat and re-sign Billings also gives some confidence that Poles is coming back no matter what as well. That's something else that I think to bring up. But but no, you're right. And that's there, there's a lot of uncertainty. But when you look at the contracts, the only bad contract that I I see that he's done has been Tremaine Edmonds. And that's, that's hoping that he was going to continue that 2022 season every time forward, but the rest of them, Edwards is a good deal. Billings is a good deal. So I think we have to give him a little bit of credit that if he's not trading Jalen Johnson, he certainly thinks he's be able to sign him and bring him back. And that's the thing, right? Like even with Edmonds, I would back him on Edmonds. That's the going rate for an incredibly talented former first round linebacker. We saw mm-hmm. with Roquan Smith and Edmonds is being set up to fail because if you thought he was going to be a run force defender, you I don't know. You just you just don't know ball. Like you I hate to be that guy, play. but like, <laughs> oh no, you went there. <laughs> he doesn't. He just doesn't have it in him. Like yeah. that's not him. He's not a guy who's going to take on blocks. If you sent ESB at Tremaine Edmonds, ESB will win definitively. Like he doesn't want to fight off a blocker. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, he's a, he's an athletic freak. And he's good in coverage and he's huge. And he and he likes being in space. Can he attack a guy in a flat route? Absolutely. Can he cover? I mean, to me, he's like a nitro safety, and I am fine with that. I think that's a modern linebacker, especially in the world of coverage. It's just that you need dudes on your defensive line to take pressure off of him, or you're not going to get. And if you have like a a better defensive end that's better against the run, do you think that helps? (gasps) Whoa, wait a minute. Like the picture starts to actually make sense. If you ask me, the problem is it's a, don't you think it's a little late for it to start making sense? Like to to me. And I understand that the front office for the most part, I, I think there are some dubious front offices. I'm looking at you Zona that definitely don't mind setting their roster up to skew towards a higher draft pick. Right. Mm. But I don't think many people think if it's happened ever, it's happened either on accident or late in the year. Right. Um, So the bears certainly aren't there yet, but what a bizarre time in my opinion to pick like going even deeper. I mean, what's the best case scenario here? Seven and 10. 
on like a late rally against a Vikings team that's pretty much quarterbackless, a Green Bay team that's listless, splitting against the uh, the Lions, beating the I don't know what the you it could it's not unreasonable Arizona, Atlanta, Carolina exactly yeah. it's not unreasonable that they suddenly go seven and ten, but I would sit there and say what's it all for? And it's also easy to forget that this Bears team is not good. And us Bears fans are the first ones who are going to go, yeah, if they play like they do against the Raiders, which they've done once, <laughs> especially with Bajan at quarterback. Yep, yep, and that yep. was against a really bad Raiders team. So it's so funny looking at this season and being like, hey, that Montez Sweat deal really rules. You're not going to win so many games that like the coaches stick around, right? <laughs> Just because. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I, I certainly get that too. Um, so, so I know I know we're, we're short on time. So, I mean, just quickly, I think, you know, New Orleans, we talked about this really good defense. I mean, they have um, their safety, Marcus May, their nickel corner, and one D lineman are, I would say, below average. Other than that, everyone is at least average or above average or yes. really good, which is what, what you have with like a solid year in, year out top 10 defense which is going to make things really tough for Tyson Bajan on the road. I mean, they're, they're tied for sixth and best yards uh, yards allowed per play. They get pressure rate. They don't have to blitz a whole lot. They're good on third down. They allow 1.52 points per drive, which is about 0.7 less than Chicago. Like, they're significantly better. I saw something from Bajan in this last week's tape. I actually thought there was a lot to like, and what I saw from Bajan was it's one of those things where in the right situation, it could be a positive, but it's not in the right situation right now. It's in a bad situation. It's a negative trait. Do you want to guess what that trait was? Um, Anticipation? He will force it. Like when when he's under pressure and when he knows it, I'm talking about the dig, which was not open. I'm talking about the, I'm talking about a couple of the missed throws. For instance, if you can't get your feet set on that out route that got tipped away because it was way too far inside, not even talk about the miscommunication. Like if you can't get your feet set and that's what your spray is going to look like, that's bad spray. Like Asante Samuels play was just a good play. In my opinion, looking back, like, yeah, could he have been a little earlier? Sure. But he's a rookie. Really unusual to have CJ Stroud's anticipation as a rookie. But Mm -hmm. like if last week was bad, for Cody Whitehair and Lucas Patrick, oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah, this this week this week's gonna be even worse. So that that's a God forbid. Be, Larry Borum's probably still playing. Like, right. oh well, man. So, so so real quick on that. So the injury report I thought was interesting. So Cody, um, or not Cody? Sorry, Larry Borum was DMP today, uh, personal. So he did not practice. Um, Lucas Patrick was full practice. Braxton Jones is limited again. So. If he's limited again last week, some this week, that gives you a little bit of hope. Um, defensively on the practice um, or the injury report, Jaquan Brisker was DMP both days already, which is really really sad. Um, yes, and then and then you have uh, Eddie Jackson was full participant the last two days, so maybe we'll have one safety back. Goodness. Yeah, that's the thing, Nick. They're just they're just undermanned. This is a Saints team that's more talented. And not to mention yep. it's a Saints team with a quarterback in Derek Carr and weapons like Chris Olave, Michael Thomas, etc. And right now, I have begun. I used to think it was as simple as if you've got a veteran quarterback, you should be able to pick apart the Bears cover two. Right now, it at least to me, is as simple as is your quarterback above a certain threshold? 
I think Derek Carr is. He's got veterancy. He's got tools. Yeah. Like this is a kind of defense. He's a solid quarterback. He's Andy Dalton. He falls off later in his reads, but the Bears will give you the first read a lot with yeah. uh, with your guy versus Tyreek Stevenson. So mm-hmm. then, how good's the receiver? Uh, very good. <laughs> and so, well, all, but here's the thing: all three of them are too. Rashid, Rashid, Rashid Shahid. Uh, Michael Thomas and Olave, they're both up there. Even even uh, Taysom Hill, I know he's got the running threat. He's emerged a little bit as a tight end. So right, and and Alvin Kamara at this stage of his career as a runner, eh, as a receiver, yeah, he's still pretty uh, good. So like uh, the passing, the short passing that we saw last week, it's going to be the same thing this week. It's so funny you say short passing. That is like a really really nice way to put it. Like let's call it what it is, man. The Bears do that same thing that a lot of these deep zone defenses do, where everybody drops off so far that if you hold on to the ball for three seconds, the check down's like four verts open. You know what I'm talking about? Like everybody, everybody's just so carried down the field that you can get seven to nine yards off of checking down to the back, wrong back to check it down to, by the way, because we saw it with TJ Edwards. He couldn't catch Austin Eckler. And I mean, I don't even think that's weird. Again, I know I talk about this all the time. I think TJ's a really solid running back. Having him play weak outside linebacker, which Manny Perflus himself has described as a position that you need the most athletic guy on your team to play, is a nightmare against some of these NFL receiving backs. And uh, Alvin Kamara? Yeah, he's in that category. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's almost like you should switch your linebackers, huh? Which we've talked about before. But anyways. They, um, want, they it, want to have their cake and eat it too with Edmonds. I, I see but, what they want. Right. But, but the, so so but back to the zone thing. The other thing that sucked last week was we couldn't tackle. So no. if you're going to let people catch in front of you, you have to rally and stop them right there. You can't let Donald Parham break two tackles and go in for a touchdown. Like he, it's ridiculous. He looked like Goliath. Like, yes. I mean, in that game specifically, he was just running fools over. And I'm like, what are we doing? That's the thing is like the Saints offense, their offensive coordinator, Pete Carmichael. Like he, I thought he had a called a decent game against the Titans. But according to any play calling metric, because look, Nick, we got jobs, right? <laughs> it takes us enough effort to just sit down and watch the Bears film sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Like we I have not been following the Saints that closely, right. but right. every play caller metric I have seen this season suggests that Pete Carmichael and this offensive are doing a terrible job <laughs> that yeah. like that the talent on the offense isn't living up to the billing, which, you know, would be would be great if they weren't playing a bears defense that I think yeah. right now is pretty stagnant. Like Kellen Moore reminded me that it, the moment that a guy on the internet talking about myself can recognize that the bears are playing more man on third and eight and in real offensive coordinators will recognize that too. And they'll yep. call crossing routes with rubs that Jalen Johnson can't compete on because honestly the pass rush needs to get home for that to be competitive. Maybe mm-hmm. Montez sweat helps. But the problem is, as I'm sure you know, the fact that you can chip one of the Bears guys now just means that everybody else has a one-on-one, and that's not really helpful <laughs> on most of these third downs. Right. I mean, and, and you look at like a lot of metrics, like the Bears offense is better than the Saints in a lot of areas. Um, and you could debate overall right. with Justin Fields there, with Tyson Bajan, probably not. So let, let me, this is how Chicago could win this game, okay? Is one, Braxton Jones is back starting at tackle, and Eddie Jackson's back at safety. Now he's which would still help limited. Out. Limited does not feel like Braxton's coming back. I know. I'm just saying, you know, you. It, it'd help a lot, but yeah, uh, maybe not. But so Chicago would have to have a very similar offensive game plan 
to the Raider game where you are taking pressure off of Bajan, Bajan's getting things out on time, and you get in a game script where it's not easy for them to defend the pass everywhere because they do have some good corners that are probably going to lock onto DJ Moore. So you're going to have to have Cole Komet have a good game. You're going to need to have your complimentary receivers have a good game. You have to dump off screens, things like that. And on defense, oh, and take advantage of the few bad defensive guys they have. And on defense, they have three linemen, their their guard, um, uh, guard, left tackle, and their other guard. Those three aren't doing well. We have to make them look terrible. Right. Again, continue what we do against the run, set up these third and longs, and get some pressure off of Carr. He hates pressure. He hates getting hit. Oh, he hates pressure. And we need to not have humongous holes in our zones or guys wide open like we have in the past few weeks and win the turnover battle on the road. It's a tall order with Bajent, but that's the script that has to happen for Chicago to be in the game and win. It's all you got. And I mean, probably chances are Montez Sweat has to be an instant addition because of exactly what you're talking about. It's possible that he is. It's possible that he is. But I honestly, honestly, like, so you've just painted the most positive picture possible. I am curious as to what this organization is going to, uh, can not the organization specifically, but I guess the locker room, how they're going to react to the fact that if Jalen Johnson, heck, I'm about to speculate really hard, everybody. Sure. But if Jalen Johnson uh, is unhappy in Chicago and Montez Sweat feels like he had his dream destination lined up and it got ripped away from him and he's not exactly stoked to be there either. Right. And maybe Eddie Jackson feels like he's on the last year that he's going to be in Chicago and you get some defensive leaders that kind of start to pout. Like, I do wonder how that is going to cascade through a locker room because I know you've seen it. I know I've seen it. The reason a lot of these guys, I'm looking at you like Matt Rule, for instance, will get fired is because a defensive tenured head coach that starts to lose the locker room creates a pretty lifeless tapioca football team. And if the defense stops playing with intensity, looking at you, hits moniker, it'll get bad fast because it's a defense that needs everybody playing hard. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, And I don't know. I don't know. And so at least for me, like as we get into game predictions, I, I have to pick the Saints. The football guy inside me can't not take the Saints. It's the Superdome, baby. Like, Mm -hmm. they pull off miracles in the Superdome, and this game isn't a miracle. Like, for a division-leading Saints team, I sure think they're division-leading, that should, frankly, have two more wins on their schedule, that Green Bay game still burns me up. Like, they, I don't think they're going to have an issue dispensing a Bears offense that, for my money, just won't have enough good ideas. For some reason, the Bears didn't want to run their toss game anymore. Riddle me that one. Like, well, I mean, they had a touchdown on one of the plays and they didn't keep continuing to do it. Luke Getzey just weird. Luke Getzey just, it, it's like, it's like it's a complete dice roll as to whether or not he's going to trot out a decent game plan. And I wish I could sit down with him and ask him some pretty basic questions on how he comes up with his game sheet because I don't know what the Bears do. And the worst part is there is an identity here. Like in mm-hmm. the Matt Nagy era, we were like, the Bears don't have an identity. And people who watch the tape would be like, sheesh, I don't know what their identity would be. Like yeah. they, anytime they try to do anything, there's a very good reason they can't do that thing. But this Bears team can absolutely run the ball. 
They can absolutely, they're built for ball control and they're kind of good at it. But, Mm -hmm. you know, we don't really do that. And the moment we try to, the third play we're going to call, the second running play is going to be an end around to Trent Taylor that you could see from orbit. I don't get it. I I don't get a lot of the decision making and that's okay. Are you going to give a a point prediction? uh, Yeah, I was going to go with... um, uh, I think the Saints are way like as much as I like the Saints, the Saints have been that team where I like them, but they keep letting me down. Right. So yeah. as much as I want to pick them for like a high offensive output, unless the Bears turn the ball over a lot, I think the Saints crank out a meager 23 points uh, against this Bears defense and the Bears just score like nine. I'm going to go with nine. Three field goals. Our, our picks are so close. I, I have the Saints. And this is just sad, but like the Saints defense really good, everybody. Like you think of like the Chargers did pretty well against the Bears. Like the Saints are probably twice as good of a defense, if not more than the Chargers defense. Like it's not close. I have it 24 to 13. Yep. Oh, similar. Yep. I mean, it's two people. I, I, I hope they prove me wrong. I'm not cheering for the Saints, but I just I think that's what's going to happen. I will leave it with this, okay? I am a Bears fan through and through. It's it's in my blood. I mean, I'm from Dallas, and every time the Bears would visit the city, it was like this beast inside me would call me to wanting Dallas or wanting Chicago to win. There's there's no thing I can do about this. I am all in. I can't be all out. I'm also Nick pretty mad at this coaching staff. To yep. me, there was a mask off feeling of going through the last two games and then watching a good quarterback, bona fide good quarterback on a team that cannot get wins, couldn't buy wins, couldn't couldn't figure out how to tie their shoelaces together, this Chargers yep. team. Like, and then Chicago rolls into town. Now they look like the Chiefs. Like, I mean, that Chargers team spent an evening looking like kings, even oh, though yeah. they they can't beat like nearly anybody on their schedule. I'm not saying it's an easy schedule, but to me, that was one of those, has anything actually changed? I don't, I don't know. And so this game could go either way and I'll be content with it because either I get a Bears win or I get another strike against Matt Eberflus. And at either way, that comes out in a way that I can, I can cope with it. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yep. yep. Nope. I'm, I'm, I'm completely with you. I don't have to say anything else because I'm with you because it's, I, I, I'm bracing myself for something really bad, even though the saints, I don't think are capable of putting up what the chargers put up. No, but, but I don't, I don't have confidence in this bears team. No, I mean, that was a loss. I understand. I'm one of the biggest Bryce young haters. There is right now, not because I think Bryce young sucks, but because I'm like, so anti rookie quarterback. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I mean, look at the, look at the Panthers last win. Oh, they won a game. Everybody's so excited that they still couldn't score 17 points. Just the team across from them couldn't get out of their own way and scored Mm -hmm. less than they did on a given day. Could this Panthers team reasonably beat the bears? No, but a Sunday night, like what they had against the chargers sure makes it feel like it's possible. Yeah, exactly. And and please, Justin Fields, come back soon. I know you listen to the podcast. Please come back. Yes, man. And I like, we need you. Oh, oh, it's just, it's just like such. And then like you get an HR violation. I know we're talking about it. I understand it from Poles' perspective, but like, this is the same season that saw the bears like lose a hundred thousand dollars in lawn equipment. Like, I mean, it's just such a messy year. 
such a messy year. And it's such a, I know it's such just like a black pill pull to bring up the lawnmowers again. But like, to me, that has become my mascot for this 2023 season where it's like, even the people in charge of the stadium couldn't, couldn't keep a lock on the door. You know what I mean? But hey, and then the Bears will just play awesome and just win. Then the win. So, so that, I mean, that's in the range of this game. Absolutely. The Saints aren't impossible to Even beat. if they get thumped against the Saints, they could easily beat Carolina, turn around. What do they got after that? The Vikings? Like, the Vikings may not have, the Vikings still may not have Dobbs ready to go yet at that point. And if he is, it may be his first game. And so suddenly you're looking at, like, help me, Justin Jefferson. You're my only hope. And if Justin doesn't come out and just win the game for the Vikings, like it, that could easily be another Bears win. Like it may be the Lions. It may be the oh, no, Lions yeah. before it, the bye. It goes, it goes Panthers, Lions, Vikings, Lions, Browns. When's the bye? After I think it's after the Panthers game. Is it? Nope. Nope. It's nope. after the Lions. And where is it? When is the bye here? Oh, it's it's after the Vikings game. Okay. Okay, so Panthers, Pan- so Saints, Panthers, Lions, Vikings, bye. So that is like right Lions. on that line of whether Dobbs is or isn't going to be playing. Yeah. Like right on that line. We'll see, man. Yeah. Anything's possible. It's not like the Lions are great. They're just pretty damn good. You know what I mean? They're better than Chicago. But Much by that time, Justin Fields is back, and now anything is possible. Who knows? But either way, thank you so much for listening, everybody. Short show this week. You can blame my schedule and my sickness. So we will be back with you right after this game. Nick, what you working on? What can people watch out for? Well, we do talk about my fantasy football stuff, and I do have to let people know that, man, on Sunday, I won again a lot of money. Oh, look at that. That is three three out of five weeks of 400-plus winning. I I now went $11 on Monday, so it's still green. Big dub, big dub. This contrarian stuff works, so give me a follow, ask questions, read my article, Football Guys, because I potentially could make you money. Absolutely. You find my work on DeBear's blog every day. Eventually, I am going to make the time to go through Montez Sweat so that you can get like visual pictures of what he's doing well, because I really think the value of a run force defender is going understated. And that's not me coping either. That's like me starting to learn too much about football and being like, it all comes back to the run game. (laughs) But so another thing, it'll really help us if you tell your friends about this podcast, help us grow this thing. We feel like it's going well. I get a lot of uh, you guys that feel like it's going well. Bring our Apple review score up. There's too many one stars on there. I don't know what that is. Probably Packers fans at this point. (laughs) That's fine. That's fine. Uh, Spotify listeners, you guys rule. YouTube listeners, you guys rule. Uh, Just help us out. And we'll keep producing as much great content as possible. But until next time, Bears fans, bear down. Thanks so much for bearing with me. 